Are we ready now? Okay, great, lovely. Well, thank you, Sue, for so much for reading that so well. Um, and as John said, I'm um, Rosanna, if we haven't met before, and I'm on staff here at ENC. Although, as you may well have heard, that is not, sadly, that's not going to be for much longer, as I am heading off shortly for an adventure with YWAM. Um, do talk to me more if you want to hear more. <laughs> But um, I um, have the privilege of speaking on this next section in our current series on the kingdom of God, where we are looking at what it means when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this week we are looking at the, king, the kingdom, kingdom authority over evil. So Bob kicked us off on this series looking at Jesus announcing the kingdom, that the kingdom of God is near and we looked at Jesus teaching about the kingdom. And then we have stepped into looking at um, what it looks like uh, for Jesus to demonstrate what the kingdom looks like when it breaks out on earth. And now we have reached the point where Jesus um, brings the kingdom in when he confronts demons. So I'm just going to pray quickly before we enter into this topic. So let, let's pray. So Heavenly Father, we, just, we declare that today that Jesus is Lord, and we welcome your presence. And I just want to take authority over any um, voices that would want to come and distract or lie or uh, um, condemn us today. And I say, be, be quiet in the name of Jesus. We want to fix our eyes upon you and um, see you glorified today. Amen. So I just want you to engage with me in a little sort of thought exercise right now. If I were to ask you to think about, I've got three questions, and in your mind, just think about, would you, raise your hand, would you answer yes and raise your hand for any of these three points? Number one, you don't, you don't, don't raise your hands in real life, just in your mind, okay? <laughs> um, if I asked you, have you ever aimed to follow Jesus' teaching on the kingdom in the Sermon, of Mount, in the Sermon on the Mount? Would, would you raise your hand to say yes to that one? Number two, have you ever prayed for someone for healing? Would you raise your hand for that? Number three, have you ever cast out a demon? So my guess is that the number of hands might dramatically drop on that third point. I just wonder, if you, if you don't think you would raise your hand on that third question, what, it, what is it that is stopping you? Casting out demons is something that we encounter in the Gospels. We see that Jesus does it. But I think that in our modern culture, the demonic is something we're slightly uncomfortable with. And I wonder if some of these things might prevent you from sort of stepping into that uh, zone of casting out demons. Perhaps it's a, a lack of knowledge. Perhaps there's a bit of a fear around it. Perhaps you've never actually encountered it. You've never seen it done in real life. Perhaps you've never been aware for the, for the need for deliverance. Or perhaps you might even actually not really believe that this, the idea of demons and the demonic exists. Or perhaps you just think, oh, that's just something. I'm just going to leave that for someone else who knows more about it. So my aim today is hopefully to address a few of these things, and I, and I also really want to express that the life, the message, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus is good news. And that, as it says in 1 John, Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one. 
This is good news. This is good news for us as followers of Jesus. And this is good news for those who don't yet know Jesus. And this is good news for the whole of creation. So just take a moment to let that sink in. Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one. How good is that? And as we'll look at a bit later on, Jesus is calling us to be involved in destroying the works of the evil one too. And that is exciting. So before we dig into the passage, I'd love to give just a little bit of background to who the devil is and what demons are. Now, as Christians, it's important for us to be aware of the devil and his schemes. It's important for us to know who our enemy is and what their tactics are. But we don't want to become obsessed with the devil. When we deal with him, we need to keep our eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Screwtape Letters, writes, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall fool about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, and the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. And in our culture, I think it is probably not a very popular belief to believe in the devil and demons. The existence of a personal force of evil, the devil, is something we would maybe put down as a bit of a pre-modern myth something of fairy stories. And with our educated modern understanding of the world, uh, the world of science, etc., we don't need to believe in, devil, in the devil or demons anymore. However, as Christians, I want to suggest that one of the ways we can take a stand in our culture is to believe in the devil, because Jesus does, and so does the Bible. And now when I say believe in the devil, I don't mean this in the same way that we might believe in Jesus. I'm not talking about submission, in trust, in like following following with our lives kind of belief. But I'm talking about a belief that acknowledges the existence of something, and in particular with the case of the devil, is aware of how he operates. And in 2 Corinthians, it says, we are not unaware of the devil's schemes so that Satan might not outwit us. So firstly, I'd like to shed a little bit bit of light about what the Bible says about the devil and demons. So firstly, the devil is a created being. And according to the Bible, the devil was created originally as part of God's heavenly council. But actually, he wanted to be like God himself. So he rebelled and took with him a load of his um, minions, I guess, which are, which are demons, which we know as demons. And so just as there are good spiritual beings, such as angels, there are also uh, evil spiritual be- beings known as demons headed up by the devil. So also, he is a created being, which means that he is not as powerful as God. He is not all-knowing, he is not all-powerful, he is not all-present. And in the Bible, there are several ways in which the devil is ascribed, and these ways help us to become aware of how he operates his tactics. So the devil, that's a Greek word which means to slander or to accuse, so he is a slanderer. The word Satan means the adversary, so it's someone who is just against things. We have the phrase, the lord of the flies, the evil one, the tempter, the deceiver, or the liar. 
the destroyer, and even the prince of this world. And thirdly, we know that from the Bible, he has an end. We know, we can see in Revelation, that we see the, the, the ultimate destruction of the devil. So in this series on the kingdom, we have been looking, following along in Matthew's gospel, and I wanted to just take a little bit of a zoomed out view of Jesus's dealings with the, the, the devil and evil throughout, throughout Matthew's gospel. So his, Jesus's first encounter with the devil was in the wilderness, when he went into the wilderness of 40 days and was tempted by the devil. And we can see that he encountered Jesus firsthand as the tempter and the deceiver. And what I want to particularly note about this encounter is Jesus, how Jesus responds, which is with amazing self-control, the image of what it looks like to have perfect self-control. And after Jesus comes, he announces the kingdom. And one of the first things we see Jesus do is to cast out demons. Jesus was known um, as an exorcist in his that was one of the first things he was known about. And then um, we, we now enter this section of Matthew's gospel where we see nine stories of um, Jesus bringing the kingdom into individuals' lives and how, what that looks like. And one of these encounters is today's reading about Jesus restoring two demon-possessed men. Before we come back to this story, I just want to just flip over a bit to the next bit is when Jesus uh, sends his disciples out with authority to heal and also to cast out demons. So we know that, that, that Jesus gives us um, and his disciples authority over that. And then finally, we see the death and resurrection of Jesus. And at that point, we know that that is the ultimate um, victory over evil. In, in Colossians, it says on the cross that Jesus disarmed the powers and authorities of evil and triumphed over them. So we know, looking at the cross and resurrection of Jesus, that evil is on borrowed time. And as we are living in this time to the ultimate day where, where evil and death are destroyed, we, our role is to remind the powers of evil that that is the case and that um, Jesus has the victory. So let's take a look at this story. So here we, we are in Matthew 8, so you feel free to get out your Bibles and have a look along with me. So here we are, um, Jesus arrives in the area of the Gadarenes, and this is a Gentile area, and he encounters two men who are demon-possessed. And one of the things we, we realize about why, why this is a Gentile, Gentile area is because there is a herd of pigs. And if, and if you know about Jewish culture, then the Jews consider pork and pigs to be unclean, so they wouldn't have had those in the area. So we know that this is a, a gen, Gentile area. And there are a few things that I want to note about how Jesus encounters, um, how, how Jesus encounters this, these men and the, the demons. So, well, first of all, I want to note that demons want to control. So we can see from the passage that these, these men are under control by this, this evil, the evil powers. And, and just a note on control. So this, this week, um, I had a bit of an experience of unwanted control in my life. And as John mentioned earlier, you will have heard that the ENC Instagram account got hacked. So I was first aware of this on Saturday night. I was just chilling at home. Um, I just checked my phone and I had some messages. 
Rosie, do you know, I think the Instagram, the Instagram account has been hacked. And I got that sinking feeling in my stomach. Oh, no. And I checked on. I was like, oh, yes, gosh, there's some, some slightly weird posts, um, something about cryptocurrency. I'm not sure that, that's a bit weird. Um, um, so at that point, I went and tried to, to log in and secure the account. Um, but... I later discovered that the, the hackers, whoever they were, person or computer or whatever, had, um, they changed our password, they changed our email address, they changed our phone number. So I couldn't actually go in and take back control. So this, this, this hacking, was, it was like something had taken, taken control of something that was ours, and they had come in and they had acted in a way that wasn't characteristic with how we would act. The posts were, were not what we, would, we would, would say. So anyway, as I tried to kind of take back control of this account, it was actually very difficult <laughs> trying to prove that this was our actual Instagram account. So the last resort, I had to get John's help because you have to... Um, you have to submit a, vid a video of a face that is posted in your, in your Instagram account already. And John's was the only face that was on our Instagram account, so I was like, need your help, John. <laughs> but alas, the, the takeover was complete in the fact that they had, the hackers had taken down all our, our old posts, so there was nothing to prove that it could be ours. So in the end, there was nothing to be done. Um, control was lost. I know. <laughs> <laughs> For goodness sake. <laughs> so this is just a little story to illustrate that like, demons want to take control. They want us humans to act in a way that is out of character. But this is so completely different to Jesus. Jesus doesn't want to control us. He wants to give us freedom. God doesn't want to control us. He wants us to take control of ourselves. And as we looked back to Jesus' encounter with the devil in the desert, we see Jesus exerting amazing self-control. And as we also know that self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, God wants us to take control of ourselves. But the forces of evil will be so happy to take control of us. The other thing I want to point out from this passage is that the forces of evil want to bring death and destruction. You can see in the passage that uh, the effect of, this, of the demons on this men bring violence. And these guys are hanging out in, in, around the tombs in a place of death. And that, that wonderful verse in John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. But I have come so that you might have life, and life in all of its fullness. Whereas the enemy comes to bring death, Jesus comes to bring life. And as we look further down, we can see in verse 29 that, the, that, the, that evil recognizes Jesus. They know exactly who he is, and they have no choice but to obey his authority. And we can also see in the passage the power of command. This is what Jesus, how Jesus ultimately deals with the demons. It is Jesus' voice and his, and his command of go that the demons have to obey.
And in this passage, it also shows Jesus' love and compassion and care for victims. So when I, always, when I read this passage, the question that always comes to mind is, why the herd of pigs? I don't know if you've ever had that same thought. So I've, I've thought, read this several times and thought about it, but looking more deeper into the passage this week, there is one theory that I have come across which might explain the pigs. And that is, it's, a, it's um, this idea called the reversal of the scapegoat. Now, a scapegoat is, is a person or a small group of people who are blamed for the bad actions of, of the wider group of someone else. So you come across this idea in the Bible where um, a, to atone for the sins of the people, every, the sins of the, the group were laid on this one goat who was then left, let to go out into the wilderness. So that was known as the scapegoat. So these demon-possessed men were living outside of this village, and it is a bit like that they were the scapegoats of this village. They were the, the people who, if you were living in that village, you could be like, oh yeah, we're not as bad as them. They're the ones with all the problems. They're outside. We're, you know, we're better than them. We can then feel more at peace with ourselves. So they were kind of like the scapegoats of the community. And perhaps even because we know that in the story that these men had several demons in, in, in them, that actually perhaps these were perhaps the, the demons of the, of the community that had been cast out into, into these men, sort of as a kind of, um, to make, make the community feel whole. So, if we look at this, and then we can see what Jesus is doing with the pigs, so the pigs, are like a, there's a herd of them, it's a, it's a group of them. And so what some people suggest is that the pigs kind of represent the community, the village. And so what Jesus is doing when he is casting the demons out into the pigs, it's an idea of he's reversing this idea of the scapegoat. That where the, the evil had been put on the individuals, it was like the, it was being, that was being reversed. And what I think that Jesus is showing, showing there, as well as casting out the, the, de, the, individ, the demons from these individuals that had taken control, Jesus is also confronting the powers and principalities, the structures of evil that had taken control over the community and bringing in the outsiders. So this story shows how Jesus is bringing in the kingdom of God. It shows that there is power and authority in the kingdom to drive out evil. And where there is death and destruction, Jesus brings life. And it also shows that the kingdom of God reverses the ungodly power structures of the world and brings in his upside-down kingdom, where the outcasts are brought in, victims are made whole, and the powers and principalities of or at work in the world are confronted. And this is good news. So now to us, what is our part to play? So as I've said earlier, Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one. This is good news for us, and it's good news for the world. And as Christians, I don't believe that we can be demon-possessed because we, are, we have the Spirit of God living within us. But I do believe that we can give over areas of control in our lives to demonic powers. 
And in the New Testament, we can see this language of things like giving, giving the devil a foothold or a demonic stronghold. So how can we spot this in our own lives? So how to spot this? I think that you may feel, you, it may be that in your life you feel there are some areas where you lack control. Perhaps there are ways that you think and that you act and that you speak in ways that you don't want to and it feels like you are stuck, that you're stuck in a pattern of behavior and it feels hopeless. This could be perhaps a sign of a bit of demonic influence. And we know and we remember that the devil works in the currency of death, of hopelessness, of lies, of accusation, control, and this is how we can spot it. And there are, you know, there are ways where this, this might happen, perhaps by sort of a repeated giving into uh, temptation, perhaps by believing lies about ourselves, about God and the world, or perhaps getting stuck in a bit of unforgiveness. But the point of how we got there is not the most important thing. Although, in the, in, for, in the Instagram example, there are ways which we can protect ourselves um, against that. So in, in, in Instagram, we want to turn on our two-factor authentication. Sorry, I can't say the word. <laughs> and we, there are ways which we can protect ourselves. But the most important thing to know is that Jesus has power over any demonic influence in our lives. And this is good news. And I am so thankful that taking back control of our lives with Jesus is so much easier than taking back control of a hacked Instagram account. Because where you are stuck, Jesus can bring freedom. Where you are weighed down by insecurities and lies, Jesus can bring truth. And where demons want to steal life and take control, Jesus can bring life in all of its fullness. So in, in my life, I can definitely say that I have had times when I've experienced being held captive by probably some kind of demonic influence and probably particularly in the areas of fear and believing lies. And I think that growing in freedom has been part of my story of following Jesus and I hope also helping other people to grow in freedom as well. So I was just thinking about one of the times when I think I experienced a bit of deliverance in my own life, and it was um, a few years ago, and I remember there was just feeling really fearful about a particular situation. It was in my mind a lot, I, I just felt fear in my, in my body, and um, I was going to our formation, my formation group, um, just you know something that I did every week, um, and we just went along, and I was sort of saying about this situation, and so then they, they came, the time came for them to pray for me. So they just invited the presence of God there, God, and I could re remember just feeling the, feeling the Holy Spirit rest upon me. And then what happened is I could just feel this, like, uh, this thing rise up in my gut, and out of my mouth I could just hear myself saying, I am not afraid. Those words just came out of my mouth. And at that point, I could just feel this, like, nausea come over me and I just felt I needed to be sick so then I just went to the loo and I threw up <laughs> and at that moment it just it felt like something left me in that moment it wasn't like no one did anything spectacular it was just the, the Holy Spirit was there and this these words rose up in me I am not afraid they came out of my mouth and that is what I, I think I experienced a level of deliverance from a spirit of fear 
But of, co of course, this is something that, you know, I want to just say this is, this is not something to be ashamed, ashamed about. I, believe, I think that all of us probably have some areas where we, just, we, we have our weak spots, we have our weaknesses. We're in a fallen world where just stuff comes, in, comes at us in life. And this is an area that I just think we can grow in freedom, and it's something that I uh, want, want to do continuously. So I'd love you just to take a moment and just um, scan over your life. You can just close your eyes and just scan over your, your body. Is there anywhere that you just feel a bit stuck? Is there anywhere that you just feel, oh yeah, that's an area that just doesn't, feels a bit out of control in a bad way? And just, no just notice those things and just hold them. And what I'd encourage you to do is tonight, just perhaps get some prayer as we're going to have communion later. Bring that to Jesus as we have, bring it to communion. But something that could be really helpful is to book a deeper prayer appointment because they are that, they're designed to help us deal with those areas in our lives. So if there's something that comes to mind, I'd really recommend that. And as well as growing in freedom ourselves, Jesus calls us to into the work of destroying the works of the evil one. And we have the power to cast out demons. And I am by no means an expert in deliverance. I don't think I've really ever encountered a full-on demonic manifestation but when I pray for people, I really love to look out for the signs where there might be some kind of evil influence at work and deal with it. Because when, when we deal with it, there's often a marked sense of freedom and it solves problems that can't be solved by us trying to live better or have better habits. When we kick out spirits that have taken, a, taken up control, then we and others are free to take up our own self-control. And so today I don't have time to go into how, step by step of how we do this, but I can really recommend, um, if you want to learn a bit more, this book, which is uh, Jordan Seng's Miracle Work, and there's a chapter, a great chapter in it on deliverance. It's a really down-to-earth, simple um, read, so I'd recommend that one. But there's two things I do want to say that first of all, deliverance is not something to be afraid of. We have authority through Jesus to deal with this. We, and as we, as we know that demons are created, they are so, God is so far more powerful. And as we in Christ um, with the Holy Spirit, we have power and authority over them. And the best command we can use, we have to use our voice and say, go, as we read in, what, in the passage. We can say, Get out, I cast you out in the name of Jesus. So next time you are praying for someone and perhaps you get a sense that there is something more at work here, perhaps some kind of demonic influence, why not partner with Jesus destroying the work of the evil one and give it a go by saying, Spirit, I cast you out in the name of Jesus. There we go. <laughs> anyway. <laughs>
That's great. Thank you, Rosie, so much. 